Hey there, I'm Michelle Sherrier, and this is the Retail Whore Podcast. Stories and lessons from the life in retail. Hello, hello, guys. Okay, today's episode is jam-packed. I cannot wait for you to hear this. I had the pleasure of interviewing Bob Negan. He's the co-founder of Whizbang Retail Training. He's a retail expert, author, speaker, and business coach. Bob motivates and trains independent retailers to improve and grow their businesses with actionable tactics and strategies. Let me tell you right now, I enjoyed this conversation so much that, like I said, it is one of the longest one we have had on this podcast, and I loved this conversation so much, I just let it go. And I honestly, I know you are going to take away so much from this. So because it's so long, without further ado, here's my interview with Bob Negan of Wizbag Training. Bob, welcome to the podcast. I'm not even going to say the name, so I'm just going to say right. welcome to the podcast. <laughs> you know, don't 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 worry about it, Michelle. Uh, I am super excited to have you on here. I have to say a special shout out to Crystal from Crystal Media for helping us connect us even more. I reached out a couple times, and um, I'm very grateful that she helped connect the dots. And here you are. Yeah, and Michelle, I am happy to be here. I am excited to talk to you. Crystal shared that you were the best interview she ever interviewer she ever worked with. So wow. I hope I, I hope I can keep <laughs> up. <laughs> well, I, you know, like I said before we got on camera, is I've been watching your Instagram and what you guys do as a brand for a while. And I feel like there is a whole lot of retailers that don't know what you do. So I really wanted to have you on to talk about it because my goal with this podcast has always been, it's not about me. It's really about promoting other people's businesses and really giving retailers the tools that I wish I had when I was a retailer, which weren't available. And now with this world of information and people out there that help each other, like I figured this is like a perfect opportunity to, you know, another educational service for all the retailers that listen to us. That's great. Yeah, I'm happy to anything. I mean, let's just have a conversation. I'm happy to, you know, to answer any questions. Or did or did I understand that to be a question you asking me what we do? Well, we're going to start it off just like a regular conversation. I'm going to have okay. you introduce yourself and give a little sure. background on your background and what led you to creating Whizbang Retailer. Training. Sure. So uh, in 1981, I was 23 years old. Yes, that does date me. And I had just graduated from college and I had a new hobby and that hobby was kite flying. And I loved everything about kite flying. And I didn't want to get a real job, right? I mean, I knew that I didn't, I, I wasn't ready for the world and the world wasn't ready for 23-year-old Bob Nagan. So I love flying kites and I didn't want to get a real job. So I thought I'd open a kite store because how hard can it be to run a retail store? <laughs> so Famous last words. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I went up to Mackinac City, Michigan. And if you know Michigan, there's Michigan and Mackinac City is at the tip of the mitt as we call it. And I started one of the world's first kite stores. And that first year, that first season, it was a seasonal store. We did a pitiful $17,000. And that first year I hired my brother, Steve, and he worked with us. And, you know, we did what 
A lot of retailers still do, don't need to do, but we needed to do is before the internet. If hard to believe there was a time before the internet. Right. <laughs> and, you know, so we just, we just kept moving forward. You know, there were no books on retail. There were no podcasts. It was just about making mistakes and figuring it out. And that's what we did. We just kept working at it. We grew, we expanded. And then at in about year 12 of our retail adventure, I, I met my wife, who is now my partner at Wizbang Retail Training, Susan. And uh, she was a department store executive. She worked for Macy's and Lord and & Taylor and Bloomingdale's. It sounds like a lot like your, sort of your background. You know, she was a trained retailer. And she left retail to become a teacher because she didn't ever want to be in retail again. <laughs> and then she met me. And, you know, so that kind of threw that plan off the track. She was a retailer, for, I mean, a, a teacher for a year. And but the, the, the thing that's relevant to our conversation, Michelle, is that what my brother Steve and I had and what the Mackinac Kite Company had was what so many independent retailers have. We were passionate. We worked hard. We tried hard. We were incredibly customer focused. But what we, but we didn't have skills. You know, we had some skills, the skills that we learned sort of by trial and error. But there was this whole set of skills that, frankly, it was unconscious incompetence. We didn't, I didn't know what open to buy plan was. Oh, I didn't know what assortment planning was. I didn't know what any of those things were. You know, we we went to the show. We bought what we liked. We tried to sell it. If we didn't sell it, we, we didn't know what we were doing. In fact, I remember looking at her one day and going, somebody actually taught her how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, my gosh, you know. And so uh, when she came to work for us, we had a really good business that we were really proud of. but. It didn't quite work the way it was supposed to. We never had cash because we didn't know how to manage our inventory. We never quite managed our team right because we didn't have that management structure that you know is needed. You know, our marketing was all about enthusiasm and flying kites. So when Susan came to work for us, really what happened was we were able to layer those skills, those professional retail skills on our entrepreneurial um, all of that entrepreneurial energy. And then it just started to click. I mean, good things started to happen right away. And then what I realized was that most retailers don't have what it takes. They don't have those skills. And so in 99, my brother Steve came to me and he said, hey, you want to sell your share of the company? And by then it was time, right? You know, I mean, we had worked together. He, he wanted a chance to run it. I wanted to go on and do what we're doing right now. So I sold my share of the Mackinac Kite Company to my brother, Steve, who now runs it successfully all these years later. And Susan and I started Whizbang Retail Training. And our mission is to help. I mean, we work almost exclusively with small to mid-sized independent brick and mortar retailers. And our job is to, our mission is to help give them the skills they need to be successful and the skills they need to have a good life, the skills they need to be profitable, the skills they need to have the impact that they're capable of having, you know, with their team members, with their customers in their community. And so that's, that's really, that's how we started. And so we've been doing that since 1999. 
And, uh, you know, we have products and programs and events and, you know, we just do all of the things that experts do to get their word out, to get their word out into the world. I have to ask you because um, I have this 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 challenge with a lot of retailers because my main hustle is the retail consulting for visual merchandising. Sure. And the change is something that people do not grasp onto very well. It's like there is a lot of pushback. So I have to ask when Susan came on board with all of these, you know, tools and things that she's learned from the big bo- big boys and she's now implementing them into the system, what what did that look like for your team? Uh there and even was yourself. Quite, yeah, so so there was quite a bit of pushback. You know, <laughs> I mean, well, at the time we had Oh, we had four stores and, you know, and and there was quite a bit of pushback because, you know, the status quo loves the status quo. Yeah. But for me, as the, you know, as the majority stockholder and as the president of the company, I knew that something needed to to happen. You know, I was smart enough, not that the the other people who were pushing back weren't, but, you know, I knew that what we were doing was not sustainable. There was so much stress. Uh, we almost went broke once. We almost went broke another time. But, you know, so uh, I knew that what we had was not enough. And so what needed to happen was at the end of the day, I had to make the decision and uphold the decision that I made and just kind of say, look, this is what we're doing. And, you know, and to your point, Michelle, this is something I see all the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for instance, one of our uh, our flagship products is called the Retail Sales Academy. And, you know, it's an online sales training platform, customer-focused, retail-specific sales training. And people invest in it. And then they say, then they they say, but my people won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Do you tell my, on how, because I, I, what, what this looks like, because literally I, I, no, every single retailer has this issue. And I know I, when I've come across it, that's the first thing I tell new clients, like, look, change does not come easy. It's uncomfortable. It's part of the unknown. And it's, you know, we've always done it this way has, is usually the response. And, you know, my response usually is, you know, for my clients, like you're going to have to get comfortable being uncomfortable because, if everything was going the way it was supposed to, I would not be here. So, you know, tell me how you you train your retailers on how to jump over this hurdle. It's as a sure. Big well, there, there's a so the way that I describe retail success is there's three parts to it. There's mindset, skill set, and there's structure. And it always starts with mindset. It always starts with your beliefs. And, you know, and and then once you get that part right, then the skills start to really, you know, then all things change. And so when I talk to the retailers, there's always this conversation about mindset. And so the, the when somebody says my people won't do it, there is a belief that they don't have the power. Mm. Right. There's the belief that somehow. When team members hold a retailer or any business uh, owner 
when when people are being held hostage, and that's what the, the the right way to describe it, you know, there has to be a moment where a business owner has to put on their big boy pants or their big mm. girl pants and make the change. So one of so I made a real retail TV episode about this, and it's called "What Is Your Retail Superpower?" And your retail superpower is your ability to make a choice. Right. So if this, so let's go back one step farther. So there's this idea of every problem points to the need to develop a skill. Right. Mm -hmm. So when people aren't, when, when people, when, when their team isn't doing what they want them to do, what it means is that the problem is their team is running them. They're not running their team. Uh, They're not being leaders. They're being led. Yes. So they have to make a choice to develop the skill. The skill in this case is management and leadership. And so there's always this, the problem points to the opportunity. And in between the problem and the opportunity is the skill. But you have to make the choice. And, you know, I mean, as you know, as we're talking about right here, so many people, they get into business because they have a passion for their product. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you know, they're at this place where their skills don't match their passion and they're stuck. And so this is the moment of truth. Yeah, This is where they have to say, look, this is what happened with me. I got to the point where I had to say, look, either things are going to change or it's never going to change. You know, Marshall Goldsmith, the executive coach, has got this great book. What got you here won't get you there. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so it really is, you know. So the mindset is I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to become the kind of person who goes out and develops the skills and, to your point, does the thing they need to do, whether it's fun or easy or comfortable. And then, but then whenever you do that, then you develop the skills, you develop the confidence. And then it starts to happen. I um, have to ask you because I know every retailer listening to this right now is saying, well, how, ma how many people am I going to lose and what do I do? And my answer was always, <laughs> you know, because you're going to have pushback and you're going to have people that are like, I, I'm just like, because I, I mean, I had it in my stores when I had my own stores. And, you know, uh, what I learned is once those pieces of the puzzles are taken out, Suddenly, the rest of the team has a chance because, you know, everyone talks and it's like all these new changes. I mean, I just came back from a store in Wyoming that I, I am working on and, and I knew going into it, they were, the team was not happy. They, these guys had purchased a, a brand that they, this, this family had owned for 20 something years and they're still keeping the family involved. And the daughter came in and it was just, you could feel the tension. Oh, and I, I, I just feel it from here, Michelle. I, just, I had a smile and just be like, this is just what, this is just what it's, what it, it is. It's just, it's them uncomfortable. And it was funny now, now I'm watching them do the build out and everything that I had suggested. And it, it, one of the responses like, so-and-so is very surprised that um, the team really likes the changes that are happening. <laughs> and it's once that one person's either left or has been won over, suddenly the rest of the team seems like they come on board and everybody, and, and I know that people will lose team members because of these changes, but I always, and I don't know if you agree, it's like 
it's almost a blessing because that means everybody's on the same page. Everyone's equally as excited. Everyone is all moving together as one team. One hundred. I, I could not agree with you more. You know, there's that old saying that there is so much truth. One bad apple does spoil the whole bunch. So again, let's go back to this idea of choice and the fact that you control your destiny. So you decide, so I'm, I'm you, not you, but you know, so you're a retailer, you're a store owner, and you decide that you're tired of letting the inmates run the asylum, that you're tired of uh, of things not going the way that you want them to go. You make a choice to grow a better business, excuse me, to build a better life. And then when you make that choice and you're ready to live with the consequences of that choice, then you do the things that you need to do. You do the training, you do the planning, you do, uh, you know, I mean, so I'm a big believer in creating training programs and making sure that everybody is properly trained. So when they're out on the floor, they they have the skills they need to be successful. Yep. And then, you know, people, there will always be people who will fight against it. And Michelle, those people just have to go. So if anybody is listening to this or watching this, you know, what I want to encourage is I want to encourage the idea of, you know, you have to do what you have to do to build the kind of business you want to get the kind of life you deserve. Because the minute that you let fear or the need to be liked get in the way... Ah. You know, so I mean, that was my style. So that was my leadership style. I called it the cool dude style, right? Yep. When I was a young guy, I liked flying kites. I liked to party. And so all the people who worked for us were young people who liked to party and fly kites. But what I realized one day is I didn't need them to like me. I needed them to respect me enough to help me build my business. Otherwise, yep. I was going to go broke. And so, you know, I mean, it really, and now is kind of an inflection point in the history of retail, in my opinion. It's a, people are at this place where expectations are up, loyalty is down. Mm -hmm. And if your customers don't get a great in-store experience or a great experience online, I'm, but particularly an in-store experience, they're never going to come back. They can get it someplace else without yep. the hassle and the annoyance of dealing with a poor experience in your store. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was, I was going to say, because you, well, you have several programs that you have and I, uh, you, that you do. And I, I was looking at one of your Instagrams um, or it was your retail TV for, because you just touched on hiring. And I think right mm -hmm. now coming out of the pandemic and with, you know, obviously the unemployment parts stopped, but somehow there's still a lot of people that decided like they don't want to go back to work. And I hear this all the time of like, how do I, cause I, okay. For, for instance, this is what, where this conversation started. I was going to one of my accounts in a mall and I happened to walk through Macy's and it was literally the doors had just opened and it was like going past table after table and four way and rails. Like every single one was like a Costco table, just mounds of clothes. And, you know, as I'm walking through, I rarely call retailers out, but this was one of those things where it was like, We've had a couple of people on that all talk about the value, treating your product with value, because if you treat it like value, your customers will value it. And it's like, it's all I could think about was this person's phrase. And I'm like, how do you expect to charge somebody a hundred something for jeans? And they have to dig through them on a pile and then try and 
because there's no one on the floor anymore. Everyone's only at these ringing stations that their new way they've formatted stuff. But I, I like, I just, I, I couldn't understand how this happens in retail now. But then everyone's response in a hundred DMs was it's impossible to keep people. There's no one that's being hired. We can't find good help. And so oh, can I go on a rant? Please. You, well, can yes, I go on a rant? Yes, can I call bullshit? I mean, uh, if oh. you need to beep that out, beep it out. But I call no. bullshit. I mean, I 100%. And I'm so tired of it. You know, and people. And so, so, uh, and so I know I'm being contrary and I apologize if I feel like, if I sound like I'm wagging a finger. No, do it. I'm really, really really tired of this Yes, because retailers are using, we just had a long thread about this in our Whizbang Retailers Facebook group. You know, oh, Bob, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. In response to people are keeping shorter hours, right? People are closing two or three days a week. I have two retailers here that I went to their stores after five o'clock because I worked till five o'clock or six (laughs) o'clock and they were closed at five. So, you know, one of them was a florist. Okay. I wanted to buy some tulips. They're closed at five. So I went to the grocery store. They sell nice tulips cheaper. (laughs) Okay. I won't get into it. So, but anyway, here's... (laughs) Don't get me started. Well, I guess you did get me started, Michelle. You got me started. But so, first of all, let's take a look at the premise of this argument that I can't find people. So, the first part of that, the logical fallacy of that statement is that the world is still filled with employees. So, the mall is filled with stores that have employees. (laughs) So, There are employees, there are people who are working, they're just not working for you, okay? So that's the first thing, there's no people. So I'm looking out my window at the four blocks of downtown Grand Haven, beautiful historic downtown Grand Haven. And in the stores that are in this town, there has to be 300 employees. If you added all the schedules and there has to be 300 employees. So the excuse that there's no employees is just invalid. It's just not true. They're there. Restaurants use the same thing. It's like, well, wait a second. There's plenty of restaurants. They all have. So what the, the, the challenge is, is again, if there's a problem, you need to find a skill that leads to a solution. So in this case, so first of all, the mindset is incorrect. Nobody wants to work. That is a, that is a bad belief. It is a it is a belief that does not serve a retailer. Okay, yes. so that's the mindset. The skill set is recruiting. So I'll share a story with you. I mean, do you mind if I? Share oh my gosh, that's what this whole podcast is about. Okay, well, I didn't want to take, you know, sometimes I feel like we I have, talk If we have to break this into two different episodes, I am completely down with that. Like, okay, all right. <laughs> so, and, and, and Patty has given me permission to share this, but uh, so uh, there's a, a pet store owner in Virginia. And, you know, she's been part of our community for a long time. She's now in our Platinum Mastermind group. And she called me and woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. Uh, One of the big pet chains just stole her manager. And, you know, she couldn't match the salary. Blah, 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 blah. Chicken Little, the sky is falling. 
So I was like, okay, Patty, let's do this. Let's, uh, I'll give you some coaching, but you have to agree to let me record it so I can share it with people. She's like, oh yeah, I just need to solve this problem. So we did a, a you know, so I did a coaching session. And uh, so we did, we talked about both mindset and skill set. And we talked about all of her beliefs around nobody wants to work, that this is a terrible situation, that the big guys have the competitive advantage. You know, there she just had all sorts of bad beliefs around it. And, you know, not to be woo-woo, but when you have, I mean, the your beliefs manifest themselves. Energy creates energy, and what energy you put out <laughs> into the universe literally comes back at you. Exactly. And the energy she was putting out was bad. Hmm. So we talked about that. And then we talked about the skill set. So, you know, our flagship product is called the Retail Mastery System. And in the Retail Mastery System, there are 11 modules. One of them it's is a very large package. I saw that. Oh, yeah. There, it's, there's 25 hours of video training and books and, you know, yada, yada, yada. I mean, if you want to be a successful independent retailer, all of the skills that I learned making mistakes and from Susan are there. But one of those skills is recruiting. So I said, so what do you do for recruiting? Well, I put an ad on Indeed. And so let me see your ad. Well, it was lame. It was terrible. <laughs> so think about, so. What is a lame ad look like? Just kind of like okay. a. So a lame is a retail associated uh, associate wanted. Uh, must work weekends and uh, late hours, some holidays, Saturdays. Wow. Uh, by the way, I would like some experience, you know, I mean, just <laughs> telling the... Leading with the negative. Leading with the negative. So here's what, you know, and if your your listeners want to solve this problem, recognize that recruiting is really, it's about marketing your position to the people who should be your team members, right? So we created a format called a Red Hot Help Wanted ad, and it really, it's a marketing piece. It's a marketing piece that says, hey, if you're this kind of person who loves to do this kind of thing, we offer all this great stuff. If you're interested, here's how we get in touch. So Patty, changed up her red hot help wanted ad. So now she had a recruiting tool. She had a marketing tool. And then she started get distributing it. That's another thing we teach. You know, you can't just have an ad and put it on Indeed or uh, Craigslist or Facebook and hope to get good people. Talent, yeah. What you have to do, it's like fishing. You have to have the good bait and you have to get it out all over the place. So then we talked about where do you put your red hot out wanted in? How do you use it? How do you get it out there? Well, sure enough, the next thing you know, she's got great people. And now she's got a full staff. And she recently posted that uh, she got when she, uh, just last week, I did a, an interview with an AI expert, one of our WizBank certified retail coaches. And she got real excited about it. She was a professional copywriter in a previous life. And but she used, uh, you know, chat GPT to help her wordsmith her Red Hot Help Wanted ad, she sent it out in an email. And because it was such a great 
you know, a great specific marketing piece. If you're this person, you're going to love working here. And so all of a sudden she, she posts back the perfect employee found us. One of her customers who was on her email list saw this ad, sent it to a friend who went, oh my gosh, this is the perfect job for me. And the other thing that Patty said was, and she also was trained on the retail mastery system. So she really literally did yeah. attract the perfect person. Person. So, uh, you know, that's where I get pushback. So I just get really tired of people saying, I can't, I won't because of circumstances outside of their control. Yeah. You control everything in your business. Well, I think having that and have the skills, yeah. Having those tools, I mean, I think that that's what your your program, you know, that's brilliant. I mean, I I think a lot of people get hung up in that. It's just a constant loop of negativity. I'll never find anybody. I, you know, and and I I think it's hard if you've gone through the pandemic. I think you everyone's gone through a lot. The the supply chain, like, I think that. You know, you're already Debbie Downer about so much stuff, and for rightfully so, it's been a rough time. But it's, 100%. I think, it's hard for retailers to step out of that and start thinking, changing the way they think. And that's one of those things. I'm all, I'm number one woo woo weirdo. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> that person. But I also believe, you know, Fred Siegel was my mentor, and that was always was energy creates energy and what you put out. And that was just for, you know, his, his reference on opening your box and boxes in the middle of the store, like create that energy, like don't right. where it's like no music and nothing. And it's like, but create that energy and where you are going to draw people into you. And it, it's, I think that's hard though, sometimes for retailers to get out of that mindset because it has been a rough time. But I think once you do and your tools, I think help that. So, and, and you are so spot on and, you know, and, and I have been accused of not being sensitive to the fact that people are tired and I am absolutely sensitive. You know, Michelle, in my retail business, in those 19 years, I almost went broke twice. So I know what oh, it's I like to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody I know has almost gone broke. You know, it's almost like a badge of courage, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it shouldn't happen <laughs> twice, but that's a different story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and so, but I am incredibly sympathetic. But here are the mindset shifts that I think are so important is the first mindset. And you have to make a choice. Let's go back to this idea that there has to be a choice made. That you have to, um, the first shift is from fear to courage. Uh, everybody, you know, it's natural that the pandemic, I mean, fear became the default emotion. Very, um, you know, to your point, I mean, naturally, the world was imploding. I mean, everything, I mean, so, but there comes a time when you have to make that decision and you have to be aware of what you're feeling. And when you start to feel fear, you need to ask yourself, is this legitimate or am I going to do the right thing and step forward? You see, because when every time that you make that decision to be brave, it leads to confidence and it, you know, it's an upward positive spiral. So, you know, and you become more confident, it becomes good, you're, you're, uh, uh, you're willing to take another chance, and that's how you move from it. That's how you move from making excuses for 
uh, not having a great team, making excuses for not keeping customer-focused hours, making excuses for not training your team so that they give your customers the service they deserve. The second shift, and I think that this is an important one, just as important, and it ties into the first shift, is from cost to investment. So, and, and it's not just cash, although that's part of it, but, you know, to, you made that point of the negative loop, mm-hmm. you know, so what people aren't doing is they're not investing in finding a solution. Yeah. They're caught in that trap. So, I mean, you know, I, and not to, to pitch the retail mastery system, but, you know, if you have problems, I just had a coaching call today. Somebody posted on Whizbang Retailers. I have this business I love. I have some real personal issues. Um, I'm burned out. I don't know what to do. So I it's hard. Made her a made her a half hour video right there on the page, just going, look, you got this, but you have to change the way that you're looking at it. You have to invest in yourself. And she invested in the retail mastery system. And she just posted a day. She was like, oh my gosh. I, I see what I need to do, right? And so uh, this is not about investing money in our products and programs, but it is about having the courage to make an investment, it, you know, whether it's with somebody else's programs, whether it's just investments of time. If you want to become a better leader, you can go on Google and Google leadership and spend the next five years watching videos, right? Watching YouTube videos. But there needs to be a very, very proactive attitude towards solving problems. And so, and here's the thing is that, that, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was going broke is the only way to respond to stress is with action. And that investment is often the action so inaction will keep you stuck. Yep. Action will move you forward. To your point, the energy you put out is the energy you get back in. And so, you know, and because she was struggling, I, you know, I offered to give her a free coaching session and we went through where she should spend her time right now. And now she's feeling good, right? Now she's like, okay, I know what to do. And, uh, you know, and I'm quite sure that she's going to be a success. So I want to get into your programs in a second, but I have a couple things because as you're talking, I'm like, all these questions are swirling. Okay. The number one thing I hear, and it makes me insane, is the comparison of Amazon's going to take over Amazon. And I'm literally, I'm my whole thing is, because my background from Fred's is all about customer service, spoon feeding customers. Like we, I, everyone who bought something from my old store, everyone got a handwritten thank you note mailed to them, whether it was socks or $1,500. Even now I still think pen and paper hands down are better than a text or an email, but Amazon and this is my answer. I'm, I'm going to get on my soapbox. Is Amazon is not going to remember your your child's birthday. <laughs> Amazon is not going to ask you how your holiday was. Amazon is not going to follow up and say, "Hey, I know you love this. I that we just got more in. I'm going to pull." So Amazon is never going to replace brick and mortar if your customer service is 
where it's supposed to be. And if with the customer experience in your store, whether it's experiential or the customer service element or the product, like Amazon is never going to replace that. Yes, I will always buy my crap like pens, paper, whatever I don't need to go into. But am I going to buy a candle on Amazon? No. Am I going to buy, you know, a pair of denim? No. Like, and that's what, like, please tell people Amazon because I'm so over, you know, that and I'm over, like, I don't want to sell it because people are checking Amazon as they're standing in the store. Yes, you're going to have that. But by far and large, people are instant gratification and they want it right then and there. And they don't want to wait for it two days later from Amazon. And rant. <laughs> okay. So uh, okay, may, I, may I respond yes. to that? <laughs> Hallelujah. You're speaking my language. So <laughs> complaining about Amazon is like going for a walk and complaining that you get wet. They are merely part of the competitive landscape. And the people who are saying that are, you know, again, just being victims. It's somebody else's fault that their business isn't what they want it to be. So let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, to your point, there is, there, there's a couple of things that, you know, so actually I'm writing a book right now. It's called Mighty on Main Street. And it's about the impact that independent retailers have in the world and how they go about, how they become the store of choice. So actually, Amazon is losing ground. They're growing, but what people are finding, there's two things happening. One is this thing that I call local loyalty. So the pandemic has taught people the value of their downtowns. Yes. And the government gave some money to help stores stay alive. But so, but one of the things, so I've never been a fan of the shop local movement. And it's not that I don't appreciate the sentiment. It's not that I don't shop local. I just don't think that guilting somebody into spending their money locally is a good way to get them to shop locally. I have always contended that the best way to get people to shop local is for their local merchants to be the best option for their customers. So that's the first thing. So there is right now, there is a groundswell of energy for helping independent retailers become successful. However, the independents have got to respond by being better. Yes. You know, so let's go back to your, you know, people complaining, right? You know, this has always been the case, but it's even more acute right now. There are three types of retailers, in my opinion. There's uh, the whiners, the hopers, and the doers. And the whiners are the people who who are victims, They're victims of nobody wants to work. They're victims of (laughs) Amazon's killing me. There are victims of the supply chain. It's everybody's, their lack of success is everybody's fault, but their own. And really, let's go back to this idea that everybody has a choice. You have a choice. You can be a victor or a victim, or you can be a victor. So, and those people are going out of business faster than ever because they have more choices than ever. Direct consumer brands are, you know, skyrocketing. The last decade has really, you know, sort of signaled a big growth in direct to consumer brands. Amazon's always going to be there. And then there's the hopers, and hope is a wonderful uh, emotion. I, I'm a hopeful guy. 
But really, the future belongs to the people who are saying to themselves, saying to their team, to saying to their community, we're here to stay. We are here for you. We are good. We will be there for you. And what that means, Michelle, is that they have to be good, that they can't make excuses. They have to be fundamentally strong. They have to be customer focused. They have to be community focused. And, you know, and so just to sort of play to your, your comment about people looking for a price on Amazon while they're in your store. Well, I've always thought that's the lamest excuse I've ever heard because they're in your store. If you can't convert them when you're in your store, you don't deserve the sale, right? It's ironic, isn't it? it? It's like, come on. So, you know, so, but there's this whole idea of, you know, and I'm excited. I hope I don't come off as being too negative because I'm so optimistic about the future of independent retail, but I'm also to your, to, to our conversation here, so frustrated to see people making excuses for not getting the success that they deserve. Let me say this to you right here and to all of your listeners that right now, for the first time in history, everything you need to build, everything you want is available to you right now. The education you need, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go back to the retail mastery system. You know, that's that's our product. But, you know, I mean, there's other retail experts out there. If you need vis- help with your visual merchandising, there's your you. But, you know, there everything you need. There's the skills. Uh, Management One is one of our partners, you know, for uh, using open to buy planning to manage your inventory in a much, much more sophisticated way than it was ever possible. Uh, Shopify has made it easier for you to have an e-commerce presence than ever before. Email marketing. Shoot. It used to be that the only people who could go live was, you know, Home Shopping Network and QVC. I can go live right now. You know, maybe I'll do that. Hey, I'm on this way. You know, I'm on the Retail Whore Podcast. It's hilarious to hear you saying that. (laughs) But isn't it true? Yeah. Everything, everything. And so, but what has to happen? It goes back to fear to courage, cost to investment, making the choice that, look, the tailwinds are, uh, are behind me. And I'm going to take advantage of it because right now is the time for independent retailers. It is the time. So I, you brought up something else now and it's like, I have to wonder because I've said this on the podcast a lot is that I feel like universally what the pandemic did was quickly usher out people who were stuck in. We've always done it this way. We don't need any e-commerce site. I don't need to go or I'm not comfortable going live. I don't want. And it literally, it's like watching retail fast forward, how fast some of these stores were ushered out. And now what I'm loving as, you know, I'm 57 and watching, I've been in retail for 40 plus years and watching now how the new generation of retailers, meaning 20 year olds, you know, watching them at on magic at the magic floor. And I, I use this, this example a lot and I know everyone's heard this already, so I apologize, but um, watching, I haven't, or maybe watching, I have, but anyway, I mean, watching these girls walk around with light sticks going live from magic in booths. 
standing there and they've got their girlfriend. They're trying, they already decided what they're buying. They've already decided the retail cost. This is blah, blah, blah. It fits like this. They're taking orders live and turning around going, I'll take 10 packs. Like, I, I can't wait till gift catches up with that because gift does not, does if fashion it seems much more forward in so many ways, but watching that is the new generation of retailers and it's so exciting. And so I have to ask you within your bundle and your, and, and post pandemic, have you had to change some of your, how you teach social media about going live and about how some of these things are changing? Have you had to curtail some of your education for that? So let's go back and let's talk about an essential truth, because I think people get caught up in the tools and uh, at the expense of strategy. So social media. So do you know who Sally Hogshead is? Mm -mm. She she wrote a book called The Fascinate Advantage, and she was a keynote speaker on a retail success summit. She's a thought leader, right? And she said something at the summit that just went, she said, social media is not a strategy. Going live isn't a strategy. All of these are tools. Mm. So the you know so what we talk about in the retail mastery system, we have a whole module on digital marketing, and you know we teach content and email marketing, going live, and in, in those tools. But we really emphasize this idea that it's about the strategy. So when we work with independent retailers, it really becomes about what can make you stand out. There's a book called The Blue Ocean Shift. That's the second book. But there's a red ocean. If you look at, imagine two circles. <laughs> and a red ocean is the ocean is the ocean of commodity. And for your people who are complaining about Amazon, they're living in a red ocean because they think if they don't match prices, they're not going to be able to compete. Yeah. But the, the strategy is to be in a blue ocean, is to be a category of one. And you know how you become a category of one is you become you. You just put your best self out there. So the strategies become things like community, authenticity, point of view, education. And this is how retailers become the store of choice. So, you know, so do we talk about all of those things? Yes. But if you're clear on strategy, when the next TikTok comes around, it doesn't change everything you do. It just changes the tool you use to get your customers to like you more, right? To trust you more. So uh, all of these things all tie into each other. So, but again, let's go back to fear versus courage going live. Oh my God, just scares the shit out of some people, right? (laughs) But it's okay. I can't tell you how many people I just talked into doing their first live. You know, the the answer is you're enough. Yeah. if, If you put yourself out there. So I'll tell a quick story. In our Platinum Mastermind Group meeting, right before the pandemic hit, we were in L.A., And a friend of ours from a mastermind that Susan and I were in is a gentleman named David Lawrence, the 17th. And he's an acting coach and an actor and a voiceover coach. And we brought him in to teach storytelling and presentation skills. And we were talking about going live. And one of our members has a quilt store and she raised her hand and she was like, 
I, I, I become mortified. I, I, I freeze when I think about going live. And David got all emotional. He said, look, here's the deal. You are enough. Just recognize you are enough. And she went back and the pandemic hit and she had to go live like so many people. Yeah. Did. And what she shared with me after the fact was she had a quilt store and she approached quilting different than most quilt stores. She approached her lives. She was very visceral, right? Her quilting was a, an intellectual design issue as much as a creative issue. Yeah. So she was just herself. She expressed how she looked at quilting. She taught that way. And therefore, she attracted people who were like her. Yeah. And she built this brand, this nationwide brand, by being herself. So the strategy of authenticity, the strategy of building a community built around uh, your authenticity, the strategy of trust, all of these things don't change when the technologies change. Well, Crystal put it well, is that, you know, I think anyone that's sort of gun shy of going live, I mean, I, this podcast started from going live during the pandemic to talk to retailers just about like, what are they doing? What are your, what are your frustrations? What, when you, what, how are you spending the time? What, and it was, it, you know, when the pandemic, I went back to work before the pandemic had actually, you know, like right pretty much when they said some things were opening, I was right back at work. And right you know, I kind of forgot about it. And then I went back and I was like, okay, we're going to do this. I have asked me if I've gone live since then. I have not gone live. Since. I actually, I take it back. I've gone live once. Oh. And it's like, how have I not? But Crystal has such a good point is that people are shopping your store because they not only love what you're selling, but they like you. And if they don't know who you are and you don't get comfortable getting on, just even like, hey, how are you? I mean, I don't know. There's a lot, there's, and I talk about them all the time. It's, it's called Catwalk on Fairfax. And it's three older women who um, have a fantastic vintage store that sells Chloe and Gucci and like, some of the most amazing, authentic, beautiful vintage pieces. It is such a shit show. I love them because they're like live and they're like, what is that? And they're looking in the camera. I mean, it's hilarious. People love that. But that's what makes them so amazing. And I'm, I said to Elisa, who does our digital marketing, she keeps going, you need to get them on. And I'm, I'm going to reach out to them because honestly, like, they, 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 they literally are just doing it. And it, and that's what, and much to Crystal's point is like, that is what people love about you. It's like one of our clients and how I, you know, and she was in the retail master, I mean, in the platinum mastermind group until we lost all of our Canadian members when the, when the pandemic oh. came and, and that's okay. They're coming back. But, uh, uh, she uh, and, and I heard about her and what she did. And this is before very many people went live. And I was like, I've got to get this woman, this woman in the Platinum Mastermind Group. And her name's Laura. It's a sweet boutique in Edmonton. And every Friday, she would pop a bottle of Prosecco at five o'clock <laughs> and walk around the store and talk to people. And this is before it. anybody had seen anything like that. It was when everybody was saying, oh, it's got to be scripted. The light's got to be right. And she just, and you know, by the time she was done and answering questions and doing all those things, she was a little tipsy, but it was her it. being her. 
Authentic. Right. And then when Tiger King was big, she had a whole Tiger King thing. Oh my and one God. of her employees, you know, this is she to her being her. Yeah. And when one of her employees turned 69, she had a big in-store party and they brought in male strippers. I mean, or Hilarious. Not, not, not all the way, but you know, I mean <laughs> and then it's just being her. So some I people love it. some people aren't gonna like it, but your people are going to like it. Yep. You find your tribe. You find your tribe. And that's why one of the key strategies is authenticity. And, you know, and Jeff Bezos is never going to be able to do that. The big brands aren't going to be able to do that. So if you show up as your best self now, you know, good things are going to happen. Now, I want to say one thing about all of that, because authenticity and creativity and, you know, and all of those things, you know, this idea of soul, I love the idea of a store with soul that you can feel it when you walk mm-hmm. in. And that's a lot of it's a function of visual merchandising and what you do. But all of that is good. But anymore, when we talk about this idea of expectations are up, loyalty is down, you have to be fundamentally strong. Right. Uh, If you've got the most beautiful, if you have the most beautiful store in the world, but you're out of bestsellers all the time, you're going to start to lose people. Right. Um, One of my favorite stores uh, was out of my size in socks four times. And I, I, they almost lost me, but they hired management one and now they're always in stock. Right. How do you run out of size of stocks? And I wear large, but you know, I mean, it's because they didn't, again, it be, it's because they were missing a skill and that skill was buying, right? Their buyer was overworked. They had a busy store because it was a nice store. They're good people. They're enthusiastic. So here's what, what, what I found building my business. I'm sure you found the exact same thing. And I'm sure all of your listeners found that, find this to be true because I think it's a universal truth that as you grow, the skills you don't have emerge yeah right and and then all right. of a sudden you've got a problem and if you don't learn that skill that problem's not going to go away and you become stuck this is the beauty of entrepreneurism right you okay you got a problem you have to learn to to the, the thing we were talking about earlier you don't have, know how to manage a team you've got to build this skill you know for me it was learning how to sell then learning how to manage people then learning how to manage my inventory then learning how to manage my cash then learning how you know i mean it's so as you grow what you don't know becomes evident because what you don't know becomes an impediment in the path to you building your best business and so all of this good creative fun juice that we all love to talk about has to be the underpinning, the foundation has to be, you have to be a skilled merchant first and foremost. Otherwise, all this stuff will eventually become irrelevant because your customers aren't going to get the service they deserve. Uh, I've asked you one question because before I ask you and you get you to explain how your system works, um, everyone right now is talking about a lot, not everyone, a lot of people after this crazy profitable year, everyone had last year. Right. Oh, we're down. We're down so much. I can't believe it. And, you know, I'm having to find myself saying, 
do not compare your numbers, your TYLY to last year. Cause last year was kind of like, it was amazing, but it was kind of not really real. And now I'm telling people really, I would really look at, I mean, I've had open to buy people saying, don't even look at TYLY. Like it's right. really look at today, day to day to day. But I am telling people it's a closer gauge. If you're looking at your numbers, if you're increased over 2019, then you are in a good place to me, but tell me your thoughts on it. So, uh, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, so I'm going to use a sports metaphor here. So there's, you know, and so I'm going to use the basketball because the basketball tournament just got done, but you know, at, at to use a basketball metaphor, so you have game seasons, and as a coach, you have a career. And as an entrepreneur, you have game seasons and careers. And there's a real, there's a tendency as entrepreneurs. And by the way, just as a quick aside, I hate it when people, oh, I'm a little old retailer, I'm a little shopkeeper. No, you're a professional. You're an entrepreneur. Yeah. I want you. I mean, I all people you always know, play small like that. I don't understand why. Is, is, it's well, like, it's because of fear, right? Because they're afraid they're going to not make it, and then the bigger that they. The bigger they think, the bigger the letdown is going to be. And so it ties into what we're talking about here. So there's a tendency to look at what isn't happening, not what is happening. There's a tendency to focus on the bad things, not the good things. And it's natural. If you're an entrepreneur, you want to grow every quarter. You want to grow every year. But to your point, Michelle, and you're so spot on, is I wouldn't even, you know, at some level, you know, as long as you're making progress as a business and your business isn't in, uh, it isn't under an existential threat, you're good. If you're growing, you're good. So, the, uh, you know, for the people who are becoming upset I always ask, so how do you feel about your business? Don't get me wrong. Feeling about your business, the numbers still got to work. Don't get me yeah. wrong there. But I, I, you know, so one of the things that we do uh, before every Platinum Mastermind group meeting, or if somebody comes in and they hire me for a day, day long or two day long strategy session, the very, very first thing that we do is what we call the positive focus exercise. And the positive focus exercise, for instance, in the Platinum Mastermind Group, we meet three times a year. What have you done since our last meeting? Because everybody comes in and they think about all the things they haven't done, right? Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I got this problem. You know, I mean, it's just natural. It's, I mean, I'm guilty of it. You're probably guilty of it. This stuff needs to get done. It's not getting done. But when you sit down and write down all of the things you've actually done since our last meeting, you can feel the energy in the room shift. Boom. It's like, wow, this is crazy. All this good stuff has happened. And so when you stay focused on what you have done, it's motivating. When you focus on everything that hasn't been done, it's demotivating. So, uh, can I recommend a book? Yeah. So the book, and we've given this to everybody in our Platinum Mastermind group. Uh, we had everybody on our team read it. If you're watching this and you're a retailer or you're an entrepreneur. We'll put a link in the notes too. Okay. It's uh, called The Gap and the Gain by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. 
I mean, it's the gap and the gain. The gap and the gain. Okay. So here's we'll the, a link for it. it. Great. That's great. And I mean, I I can't recommend it strongly enough. Um. So when you think about the ideal, because as entrepreneurs, we always think in le- in terms of the ideal, don't we? You know, you want your podcast to have ten million downloads an episode, right? You want to be you want to be Tim Ferriss, right? I mean, that's just the way I don't about that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, the the idea that's that's the nature of being an entrepreneur. Thinking yeah. big is what we do. We accomplish one thing, and then what's the next mountain to climb? But so the ideal is what we always compare ourselves against. And, but the ideal is a mental construct. So I'm here in Grand Haven, Michigan. And if I look out the window, I can see the Grand River. The Grand River flows through Grand Haven and empties out into Lake Michigan, right? And so it goes west. So if I were to get in a boat and go out to Lake Michigan and just head west, I would see the horizon. But I would never get to the horizon. I get to Milwaukee, but not to the horizon because the horizon is a mental construct. You're never going to get to it. I remember Susan and I said, when we hit $100,000 in sales, we're going to start working only four days a week. Well, we hit $100,000 in sales. Wow, let's get to $500,000, right? That's, yeah. just, that's just the nature of the so entrepreneurial far. mind. That, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good way of looking at it. But... Comparing yourself against the ideal is always demotivating. That's why people get stuck in ruts. Comparing themselves to last year is comparing themselves against the ideal. But then that's one. But then there's also what you've actually accomplished. And the gap is actually the space between what you've accomplished and the gain. And so when you focus on what you have done, not what you're trying to do, and build goals that are, you know, built on what you've already accomplished, then all of a sudden, now we start making progress towards uh, towards that ideal or recognizing that there's no ideal, but you're making progress rather than beating yourself up for being stuck in a place where you don't want to be. I feel like that took a lot of pressure off a lot of people because I feel like that's what, and, and into what you were saying as far as um like worrying about other people like Fred's best piece of information or best piece of advice he ever gave me because you know within I don't know if you know the I'm sure you know the name Fred Siegel but within the complexes it was one umbrella and each store was separately owned and operated I had three spaces and you know there were stores because it was zip code protected a lot of the lines that we wanted because Fred Siegel had all the best lines that were available. So, you know, everybody hits the show floor and it's like you're panic shopping. Just get the brand before anybody else does. And I said to Fred someday, I'm like, I couldn't get this line because this store had it and I couldn't get. And he was like, stop worrying about everybody else. Literally, like, stop. You worry about you. You keep pushing your ball forward. You keep doing your displays and doing what you do so well and why people come to your stores and stop looking in the rearview window. And that was like, it's still truly what I tell my retailers. And it's still truly what I go by myself because there's a lot of people, what I, what I do, what I do, a lot of people do. But I will say, and even with this podcast, like I haven't, 
like when you said to, to Tim Ferriss, I was like, I honestly just started this as, as, as like a, a, a fun thing to do. And it's like, I never anticipated w- where we are now. And right. I guess because now I'm just, I'm not worrying about anybody else. And I'm just, just pushing my ball forward. And I think a lot of retailers like, don't worry about, we had Ashley Alderson from the boutique come yeah. on a couple weeks ago. And her whole thing is like the competition, like, com- like, community over competition and everyone worrying about like, oh, this person's doing that. And this person's doing that. It's like, it's a good thing that we're all doing this because That's that exactly brings right. everybody to your street or your neighborhood or your strip mall or wherever you are. It's like, stop worrying about everybody else and just do what you do and just keep worrying about, like keep pushing your ball forward and making your, like one upping what you did the last time and just keep working on yours. Yes. So may I make two respond to to two different points here? Can I make? Okay. So the first one is I love that idea that just do what you do and just be responsible for yourself, I think is the the point that I want to make. Because I have this conversation a lot where people will say to me, uh, well, I'm not open on Sunday because nobody in my downtown is open on Sunday. Or uh, I don't stay open late because uh, nobody else stays open late. Or And my, my answer to that is always, you are responsible for your traffic. So if you are a good marketer, you will create your traffic. You don't, as an independent retailer, don't ever be dependent on people walking up and down your street or driving by your street. You need to understand how to proactively market your business and drive people in. So Fred Siegel, I mean, I love that whole idea of you can do what you can do. And this idea of take responsibility for what's happening in your business. Because you can't sell through a closed door. You know, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. And you were talking about, you know, uh, Ashley's point was super well taken. But at the end of the day, um, you need to do what you can do. Take responsibility for what there is and and do it. So the other thing that I wanted to share when we were talking about people, um, this whole idea of, beating last year and, and 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 always comparing yourself against something. So one of the most valuable things that Susan and I ever did, and we learned it from Ari Weinzweig, who is the co-founder of Zingerman's. Do you know Zingerman's in Ann Arbor? No. Oh, you should know. Everybody I don't know a lot know. of Midwest East Coast stores because I'm, okay. I'm so, on the So West Zingerman's is a, is now a family of businesses, but they started out as a deli in Ann Arbor and uh, Inc. Magazine uh, v- voted them one of the coolest places in America to work. Ari is one of the most astute business thinkers I have ever come across. Uh, I would uh, recommend that everybody subscribes to his newsletter. He's just thoughtful. He's deep. He's written about five or six books. He's been the keynote speaker at our summit several times. People love him. His food is amazing, impeccable. He tells a story. All of these things, but uh, he also has one of his companies is a train or their companies. It's the Zingerman family of companies. It's called Zing Train, and they do training on their customer service philosophies and all of those things. But Ari teaches visioning, and visioning is not a Zingerman's concept. It was actually uh, created. Uh, the term was preferred futuring. It was 
something they created to create the Apollo moon landing module. But hmm. this idea of, and then we went and spent two days with Ari and, you know, at a workshop. But the idea is look out five or seven years and think about exactly what you want from your business. What do you want from your life? You know, what is it that you're in this business for? Not profit, not number of stores, although that can be part of it, but really discover what's in your heart, right? And then you create an emotionally compelling document and you can learn about if you Google uh, uh, Zingerman's vision statement, it will take you to an article in Inc. Magazine, but, uh, and whenever anybody, and again, we talked about positive focus, whenever anybody joins the Platinum Mastermind Group, the first thing they do is they create a vision statement because then everybody in the group knows where they're trying to get and can help them get there. So when people get hung up or discouraged because this year didn't beat 22 or 21, the way that I always reply to our clients who have a vision statement, and I know it, is, are you getting closer to your vision? Good point. Because if you're getting closer to your vision, one month doesn't matter. Remember, it's game, season, career. Yep. You know, one game, you can lose, you can... You know, the University of Connecticut, I don't know how many games they've they lost many games this year, but they won the national championship. Against our San Diego. Yeah, I always <laughs> my husband went to that college, so I, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not a sports girl, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, and the uh their coach, I don't even know his name anymore, but he's a he coached for Michigan, yeah, yada yada yada. But yes, but you know, but but do you see what I'm saying? Yep. So we all have to recognize that we're playing a long game. And when we understand that we're playing a long game, we can be patient with ourselves when things don't move as quickly as we want them to. You know, there's a great quote. I don't know who to attribute it to, but there's this great quote that, you know, entrepreneurs always overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in five years. Mm -hmm. And it's so true, really you know, just... You know, and, and here's here's another trap I see happen all the time is they have a big project. I'm going to build a training program. I'm going to build a marketing plan. And then they start on it. And when it doesn't go as a plan, they quit. And then they become anxious and frustrated and disappointed in themselves because they didn't set out what they set out to do. Oh and my God, like, you just explained me a project I'm working on. <laughs> wow. <yeah>. Okay. <laughs> All right, Michelle, may, may I give you my advice? Three words. Please. <laughs> so it, that, now, now I just want to be perfectly clear here, Michelle, the cobbler's children have no shoes. I've been oh. writing a book for the last, since the year before the pandemic, right? I mean, and so the <laughs> pandemic gives me a little bit of an excuse, but it's still taking way longer than it should. And actually, it's turned out all right, because the world has changed since I started. But there's for, for your listeners, and for you, but if you want to get anything done, anything significant, and you know, there's three words, begin, and begin again. <laughs> so I have a mindfulness practice. One of the things that I've learned is that if I meditate, I I'm a better person. I'm less stressed and yada, yada, yada. All the benefits. 
And one of the things that, and, and I started uh, meditating with the 10% happier app because yeah. they always had a little, a little mindfulness lesson yep. before the guided meditation. And what I learned from that is this idea of the magic moment because everybody and there, there's a, there's a parallel here. Stick with me, but everybody, when they start to meditate, you know, you want to be, you want to get to Nirvana right away. Right. First time you sit down, I don't know. I want to see lights, colors. I want the heavens <laughs> to open up. I want angels to start barking at me what to do and all these things. And of course it never happens. Right. It's a monkey mind, right? We're, we're entrepreneurs. Uh, and so what happens is we become frustrated, we become discouraged, and we stop meditating. But in, in meditation, they call it the magic moment. It's when you realize that you're not paying attention to your breath, and you come back to the breath. Mm -hmm. That's why they call it a practice, Yep. right? You get better at it. And so for everybody who has a big project, me and my book, you know, when you get away from it, don't beat yourself up. Begin again. Adjust. Figure out what to do. I'll share what, what I had to do to get my book back on track. And it's back on track because I'm a busy entrepreneur like you, like everybody. And so, and I have a really nice morning routine that I hated to mess with because it took me a long time to get there, right? I get up, uh, I do a little bit of motivational reading, uh, mm -hmm. I journal, mm -hmm. I, and in my journal, I always gratitude and, yeah. and then I meditate. And then I go to the gym and I finally got this routine all dialed in and I'm feeling good about myself. You know, you know, you have to good give morning it routine. You're, hey, I got this. But my book wasn't getting written. Mm. <laughs> so, and by the time, whenever I start, by if I check my email, the day's gone, right? I'm doing meetings and talking to people and doing what I do. You doing what you do. You're listening, listeners doing what they do. So I knew I needed to begin again. And what I had to do was change my routine to make a, I had to make a choice mm -hmm. to make that the priority, and I had to change my routine, which was quite precious to me. Yeah. And so now what I do is I get up and I write for an hour. I work on the book first thing. I drink my water. I you know push the button on the coffee. But basically, it's you know I'm just working on my book, and then I go into what I did before. But the point, you know, to, to, to you being kind of stuck and to me working on it, to everybody out there, because all every retailer I know understands the value of having a training program, understands the importance of having a marketing plan, understands how critical it is to have open to buy planning. But you get caught up in all the work. And so the important stuff doesn't get done. Yeah. And so this whole idea of don't beat yourself up. It's all right begin again. Just keep, it's just like meditation. Just keep coming back to it. Don't beat yourself up. Keep coming back to it. I because love that. Beat, beating yourself up is an, it, it, it's a negative spiral. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, it's like, I, I was, I'll share with you. I, uh, most of the listeners have already heard this. Like I was creating, I'm, I still, because it doesn't exist of a, a, how to merchandise in a real life situation with real inventory and actually how the merchandising from the very beginning, from your architecture into your contextualizers, the product, the product placement, signage, all of that. Right. So I started doing that. And, 
just the colossal, well, I'm one of those people that goes, I'm going to do that. And just like this podcast, I just, I'm going to start a podcast. No idea what the hell I'm doing. And it's like, I put a lot of very strong people behind me and helped created it. And here we are. But jumping into that one was a little more than my usual. I'm, I can do that. And then the cost of it was really, it was like, I was like, holy moly, like I've burned through so much money. So I, I well, it's not done. It is changing. We're going to put it up on YouTube instead of it being a paid subscription. It's going to be free. It's going to be on YouTube and then build, build the audience that way. But I, the guilt I had put myself through and I finally, as much like you, I have a very precious daily meditation and gratitude list, and I read 10 pages of a business book, like, it's very precious to me. And it's like, it will fall out when I'm in show season setting, because I do showroom setups as well. And it's like, my day starts at 6am on job four. So yeah, I mean, to add anything else, I would be like up at three in the morning, which is, you know, challenging. (laughs) But I, I hearing that of like, don't beat yourself up and begin again, because it's not it's not completely put away not but man, the guilt, the the pressure and the guilt I put myself through of like, and there's no reason for it. You're Oh, my God. I mean, so yes, uh, I'm glad that that was helpful to you. And so here's something else that I, I have to tell myself all the time. Because, you know, I'm like every other entrepreneur. Our business should be 10 times bigger than it is. Well, how come it's not? You know, and all of these these things. But one of the things that I believe to my, no, I, be, I mean, I believe it's a truth, is that your actions are a reflection of your true priorities, right? And so uh, right now I am reading in my morning quick reads, uh, As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. Mm. And uh, one of my mentors, his name is Randy Gage. And, you know, I mean, the book's as big as this iPhone. Wow. And he said they should charge charge $10,000 for that book because it's that valuable. The truths are that profound. But basically, what you think manifests itself. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And so, you know, and it's been good for me to come back to that book, even though I've read it probably 15 times, because, you know, if my prior, if I say my priority is health, but I don't work out and I have a candy bar and a glass of wine, as soon as I go home every night, (laughs) (laughs) but good candy and good wine, but, but, but isn't it true though? I mean, what you truly believe or your priorities ref- get reflected in your actions. Or what you're going to make of it. And, and and that's why it was like, Bob, that book's not getting written, man. Whose fault is it? It's not my team's fault. It's not my client's fault. It's my fault. And so rather than beat myself up, it's like, okay, you know, it's that whole idea of every problem points to the need to grow someplace in your life. So I had a problem. My book wasn't getting done. Your re- uh, listeners, you have a problem. You don't have a training program. You have a problem. Your team isn't behaving the way or responding to your direction the way that you want. You have a problem. You have a problem. Don't get mad. Just don't get another quote from the Zingerman's families. Don't get furious. Get curious. Oh, I like that. A problem. If you have a problem, what is the what's causing the problem and what can you do? 
I love that. Okay, so now I, I I've taken so much of your time, and no, I no, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm loving this you. conversation. I'm um, good. Talk, well, I'm here for you, Michelle. Talk to us a little bit about how your program works and what it looks like. Like I'm all into. I'm going to dip my toe in. Sure. So uh, dip the toe. Let's start with dip the toe. We have a you know a mailing list, of course, and it's called the Retail Buzz. And if you go to our website, you can sign up. Every Wednesday, we send out a tip of the week. It's a text tip. I think we're at tip number 1300. We've been sending out weekly tips for a long, 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 long time. And then on Sunday, you get an episode of my video blog, which is called Real Retail TV. They're usually about 10 minutes. So those are real bite-sized chunks. We do, and if you subscribe to the Retail Buzz, we do regular Facebook Lives. We do regular webinars. So, you know, our philosophy as a business is uh, income follows impact. So, you know, what we're, yes, we love to sell stuff. Yes, we love uh, the impact that our products and programs have. But to your point, some people just need to, some people just want to learn about, uh, understand if what we teach works and all of those yeah. things. So, I mean, there's so many things that you can participate in for absolutely no cost. We have a Facebook group. It's called Whizbang Retailers. Uh, if uh, We should break 6,000 people this week. So I belong uh, to that one. I, I enjoy seeing some of the posts that people... <laughs> But you know, it, it really is. It's a positive group. There's a great community. Active. Yeah, it's a community. It truly is a community. Community is one of our core values, right? It's one of our strategies. So that's that's free. But then there are our two flagship products are the retail mastery system and the retail mastery system. If you're an independent retailer, it's the most comprehensive training program anywhere. Like you know, there's eleven modules. It's 25 hours of retail training, but, you know, it's all the things you need to know to run a successful retail store. Uh, one of our clients who was really, really struggling until he invested said, it's like a Harvard MBA, right? I mean, it's all of those nuts and bolts skills you need. Uh, no product knowledge. So if you have a bike store, there's not one thing about what bikes you should keep. Ops. What's that? Ops, operations. Ops, oh, yes. There's a module on store operations. There's a module. You know, if you go to uh, our website, WhizBang Training, there's an H in WhizBang. You can see. You can see the, uh, you know, you can learn all about. But that is really, that's our flagship product. And for, if you're an owner or a manager, I don't care how experienced you are, there will be strategies and tactics that will make you think differently or give you ideas on how to build your business how to run a better team, all those things. I mean, we're incredibly proud of the impact it's had in the world. We also have a, a platform called the Retail Sales Academy Plus. And that is where I train uh, on the floor employees how to sell. Um, when I was at the Mackinac Kite Company, I created a process called the Six Steps to the Perfect Purchase. I mean, it's intensely customer-focused it's retail specific. So rather than you trying to train your people how to sell, you know, I can train your people how to sell. And there's follow-ups and quizzes and reportings and all of the good stuff that go into a robust training program. But the really fun thing is, so the Retail Sales Academy Plus is retail sales training, but then there's also uh, a store owner's ability 
to create their own training program and put it on this platform Mm. with the same reporting capabilities and all of those things. And, you know, for the people who, again, make that decision to give their customers a great experience, it really is. I mean, it's, it, we're so, so proud of the results it's getting. So the retail mastery system is for owners and managers. The retail sales Academy is to train your frontline employees. Uh, the Retail Success Summit is our flagship uh, conference, uh, happens every year, usually 450 people, 450, 500 people come uh, two days in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, really, it, it's it's an amazing event. People get all excited and it's great. And then for uh, the best retailers, we have a group called the Platinum Mastermind Group, and that's our mastermind you have to apply and uh, not everybody's accepted, but it's it's not for everybody. Only already successful retailers are accepted. You have to be able to bring something. It's not inexpensive. It's $15,000 a year plus traveling three times a year. But if you're already successful and you're looking for yeah. that next thing, that community, you know, there's 25 of us and... I mean, it's mind-blowing just Very getting cool. 25 retailers in the room. And so that's that's the essence of we've got other programs and stuff like that. But those are sort of our main products and programs. So if you're a retailer, no matter where you are in your journey, we've got something that can help you build a better business and build a better life. Tell everybody where they can find you. We will have the the links in the show notes, but for those sure, watching. Sure. If you go to uh, WhizBang Training, W-H-I-Z, bangtraining.com, you know, in the primary navigation, you can find all of our, our products. Um, if you go, if you want to see the real retail TV, you go to the primary navigation where it says blog. But I would encourage all of your listeners, you know, just go... You know, like I said, there's there's plenty of, you know, uh, great information that is absolutely free of charge. And if you like, you know, to, to what we talked about earlier, you know, some people are going to listen. Some people are listening to me right now and go, I don't like that guy at all. And no, that- you know, it's funny. I've realized that people really, you know, what we're talking about, and that's why I love this, is that they are everything that everybody feels or thinks at one point as a business right. owner. And it's yeah. like, you know, I, I like the straight for, I mean, I'm, I am I did an interview and it's the title of it was Michelle Sherrier shoots from the hip. Because I'm, right. I'm like the person that slays it out, like good, right. bad, or indifferent. Like th- this is, this is what it is. And, you know, I, I feel like Sometimes you need that. You don't need the sugar coating and that you need somebody to say, come on, like 100%. You need to take responsibility for yourself and own your own feelings and thoughts. And like, 100%. you kind of do that. And, and you know, and, and I learned this from my mentor, Randy Gage. And Randy goes, if you don't have any haters, you're not doing enough. You're not putting Thank yourself you. out enough. <laughs> a- a- am I right, though? Yeah, believe me. I, I, and I, and like I said, I, I had somebody that was like, you know, Michelle, some of the staff says this about you, but I'm like, I always learn a lot from Michelle and I listen to her and what she's telling us isn't because of any other reason other than she wants our success. I'm like, thank you. And just so you know, I don't give a F about like what, what everybody else thinks about me. My, my, 
what I owe and what who I work for is who my loyalty is for. And my whole objective is to make my retailer successful, profitable, and look good at the same time. But it's like, if the team doesn't like me, sorry. That's exactly. (laughs) So we had a good laugh in the Platinum Mastermind group. One of uh, the members has a wonderful kitchenware store in North Dakota. And she was laughing. She said, you know, I hired somebody. It goes back to this whole idea of you need the right people. And if they're not the right people, you need to get rid of them as quickly as possible, right? Most of the people that uh, our best clients are now doing trials, right? I mean, you get a day, right? Or two days. But she shared with me, she's, she's laughing. She said, I hired somebody and they love to cook and they love cookware. And they went through the retail sales academy and said, oh, I didn't like that guy at all. (laughs) He, you know, he, you know, they they didn't like selling. They wanted to be live in the worlds of pots and pans and things like that. And the fact that, you know, I'm like, look, this is how you sell, right? The perfect purchase, you know, it's always about the customer, but, you know, your obligation is to give your customer everything they need so they have a successful experience. And she said, I was so happy about that. Made me realize right away that he wasn't a good fit. So (laughs) bye. (laughs) Bye. There you go. So thank you so much for your time. I really enjoy this. I had, like I said, like I knew a little bit about you, but getting to know you like this and your conversation and your straightforwardness, I'm a fan. I got to say. Well, good. I'm a fan of you too, Michelle. So (laughs) uh, thank you for having me. I I, I mean, I truly am honored and I hope that... uh, that your your listeners found something of value from our conversation. I'm sure they will. And that is a wrap. The Retailer Podcast is produced by myself, Michelle Sherrier, and Catherine Kalu with digital marketing and guest support from Elisa Anthony. Our website, where you can find all of our episodes, can be found at www com, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Retail Horror Podcast. <laughs>